We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Knicks Film School pregame show. My name is Andrew Claudio, a.k.a. GMAC, and it's time to preview another Knicks matchup against a Western Conference opponent during this Western Conference road trip. This time it's the Phoenix Suns who come in at 13 and 11. The return of their big three, I guess should say the debut of their big three just happened with uh, Bradley Beal and Kevin Durant and Devin Booker sharing the court for the first time on Wednesday night in a loss, I should say, to little brother over in Brooklyn, although the game was in Phoenix. Uh, this Friday night will be Sean Marion night, so they will be retiring Sean Marion's number, so there will be pomp and circumstance in this game. And we'll see if the Knicks can rebound from a pretty embarrassing loss against the Utah Jazz when they play the Suns on Friday in Phoenix. Uh, joining me in just a little bit to preview this game will be Aaron Edwards. He is a comedian. He's also a contributor and one of the co-hosts and one of the uh, voices behind Locked on Suns. And I really think you could enjoy this conversation. It, it got pretty confrontational at times. There's some there's some connections between the Knicks and Suns, whether it be Amari Stoudemire and Mike D'Antoni having made names for themselves in both Phoenix and New York. There's the uh, Alfred Payton of it all. We actually found common ground there and the frustrations of rooting for Alfred Payton on your basketball team. There's the buzzer beater from a couple years ago in which uh, Cam Johnson and um, Julius Randle got into it. Julius Randle got ejected and then Cam Johnson hit like seven threes in the fourth quarter. The last of which was a buzzer beater to give the Suns the win. And then, of course, the number one and number two in coach of the year voting in the we here season, as we call it. But it's the year that the Suns were two wins away from a championship. Uh, was Tom Thibodeau first and Monty Williams second. And he still believes and barely all Suns fans still believe that they stole a Coach of the Year award from Monty Williams. So bring it on, Suns fans. I, I we, we get into it, and I, I am happy to defend the fact that the Knicks were projected to be a lottery team, and then instead they hosted a playoff series and didn't add Chris Paul. All they did was change the head coach. So that's a fun conversation. We'll get to it in just a little bit. Some notes I'm going to go through regarding this matchup. Now, the Suns are 13-11. and 11. Again, they just lost to the Brooklyn Nets. They're 10th in offense and 17th in defense, which is good for 13th in net rating overall. But it's really tough to look at these overall stats because, again, the big three, Devin Booker, Kevin Durant, Bradley Beal, have not played together outside of this most recent game against the, the Brooklyn Nets. And, man, in the 39 possessions that these three shared the floor on Wednesday, they were a plus 30.9. Uh, it's when you look at the numbers even deeper in points per possession on offense, they scored 135.9, which would be the highest points per possession in NBA history. And in uh, on defense, they allowed 105 point, uh, 105 exactly points per possession on defense. So that they the big three so far against the Brooklyn Nets really worked. We'll see how well it works against the Knicks, especially if Grayson Allen and Eric Gordon are back for this game. I assume that they will be because, of course, it's the Knicks. And look, as far as the the Knicks' best chance to win this game, other than like R.J. Barrett playing well and 
Jalen Brunson playing well? And how about more than three people playing well? And one of those three people that play well, how about you play him more than 18 minutes? Um, the three-point line is going to be my focus going into this game because the Suns, if you look at their their defensive tracking data, they allow a ton of open and wide open threes. Granted, this has not been with the sample size of the big three on the floor, but I'm just going to assume that they don't get better defensively when you add Bradley Beal. Um, the Knicks will have a chance to to win the three-point line battle in this game, and hopefully that can lead to a win because in the 16 games that the Knicks have made, at least 38% of their threes this year, they're 12-4. and four. In the seven games that they've made less than 38%, they're one in six. Now, I didn't do the full deep dive with every team that how good are you when you don't make at least 38 percent of your threes? That's usually a good recipe for victory. If you're you're making your threes, you're most likely going to win. If you're missing, you're not going to. But the one time the Knicks were able to win without um, making at least 38 percent of their threes was the Miami game, which was a miracle fourth quarter comeback. So I am hoping that some shots fall today, specifically from Jalen Brunson, who had a really rough game against Utah. And look, I, I know he's become extremely polarizing. I was listening to, to Casual Friday. And look, I, um, you, heard, you heard me with Mensa on, on Wednesday night. I did my very best to temper my frustrations with R.J. Barrett and what he's been really the last 17 games, shooting 25% from three. Um, that's got to be better. That's just flat out got to be better. Get to 37, 38% from three. And that's sustainable as far as recipe for success in this team. If he's going to like have these clunkers and shoot under 30% from three, a conversation is going to need to be had. So um, hoping for a turnaround, hoping for a chance that the Knicks will get to spoil Sean Marion night. We're going to take a quick break and hear from one of our sponsors. And then my conversation with my conversation with Aaron Edwards of Locked on Suns. Enjoy. What's up, Knicks fans? Quick break to tell you about AG1. AG1 is a foundational nutrition supplement that supports your body's universal needs, such as gut optimization, stress management, and immune support. Since 2010, AG1 has led the future of foundational nutrition, continuously refining their formula to create a smarter, better way to evaluate your baseline health. Fun fact, I recommended AG1 to all my friends, family, and Mrs. Claudio. We drink AG1 first thing in the morning, to make sure we have the energy needed to take on a busy day. There's no debate. AG1 is the supplement I trust to provide the support my body needs daily. If you want to take ownership of your health, it starts with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3K2 and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase. Go to drinkag1.com slash film school. That's drink. That's drinkag1.com slash film school. Cool. Check it out. Aaron Edwards, welcome to the Knicks Home School podcast. Thanks for having me, man. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it should be fun. I'm, I'm hoping it's, it's more fun <laughs> than my experience last night watching the Knicks uh, see the Jazz rain threes in Utah. But we're gonna, we're gonna move on, and we're gonna talk to, to you about this <laughs> matchup against the Suns. But I will say, I, I think you might have had the worst night because you got to see the big three finally play together, and you got to see Miles Bridges return to Phoenix. And it, yeah. well, this was his first Mikhail, game. Mikhail, Mikhail Bridges. That is a very important distinction. <laughs> yeah, Mikhail that's, Bridges that's important. returning. <laughs> the, the two very different people. You are very Phoenix correct. People will, would have been on me if I didn't correct you on that. Good like, call. Good call. Doing, okay. Yeah, I apologize. Mikhail. That may be a hint of Nick, Ned, little brother, big brother syndrome, where I just, <laughs> all your names are the same. No. Mikhail Bridges' first game back in Phoenix and the the Nets spoil the Suns' uh, party of getting to see the big three play for the first time. Now, looking at some of the data and watching the fourth quarter today, it seemed more like like the big three was great when they played together. It was when yeah. they weren't playing together that they lost the minutes. And the the Nets had a bit of a fourth quarter explosion between uh, Cam Thomas and Spencer Dinwiddie. Just give me your your thoughts to to Knicks fans that didn't get to watch the game because we had a, a disappointing matchup of our own. Your your feelings the day after after losing that game to the Nets. 
Um, I was excited to see Mikael and Cam Johnson. Can't forget about Cam. Big shot Cam. I mean, you remember him. He had a buzzer beater against you guys. Yes, I believe and, me. Uh, I remember. We have a legendary <laughs> clip from playback with that yeah. buzzer beater. So, yeah. And um, it was just good seeing those. Like, there's like this thing with Suns fans. They love Mikael and Cam so much that it was just fun seeing them. And the big three did look good. But we also were down just so many bench guys that have been starters that finally get to go back to the bench. So, this is going to weird a lot of people out, but this is the Grayson Allen love account over here. <laughs> like Grayson Allen's a big deal on the Suns. I didn't expect him to be that good. I'm, I promise y'all, I didn't expect to like him this much either. <laughs> but Grayson Allen, he's been a big part of the team and he's out with a growing injury. And Eric Gordon sat because of like a hip or something. So it was just like we didn't have any shooting out there and we kind of expected once those guys sat that it might get ugly. And another part of it is... When Spencer Dimley sees a Suns jersey, he turns into Michael Jordan every time. It's just yeah. a known thing that we live with now that when Spencer Dimwitty plays against us, he's going to hit 35 footers. He's going to get to the room whenever he wants, and he's going to get hit tough shots. Yeah, the Dinwiddie can do that. And I mean, look, you're you're speaking from experience. The the Dinwiddie game I think of, not to bring up painful memories for you, is the game seven against the Suns uh, in the playoffs. He's going to come up. I figured. I figured. Like, well, look, there's a Jalen Brunson aspect. Yeah, that's okay, where so I was going to bring it up. Yeah, yeah. Brunson, obviously, his his career highlight, although I would argue his career highlight to this point is either the series he most recently played against the Heat, where he almost single-handedly forced a game seven, or the uh, the Utah series, before that Sun series, in which, with Luka out, Brunson put yeah. his name on a national stage. Um, so do Suns fans have animosity toward Brunson in that way because of how that series went, or is it not really Brunson focused? No, <laughs> that is not Brunson focused at okay. all. It's only That's, one it's person focused on okay. that one. It's I mean, very a lot of people think a lot of people think he's like a foul baiting like short dude, but like it's not really. That's not the guy that the animosity from that series comes from. It's only one person and one person on. I'm just gonna go on record because you called him a foul baiting short dude. Your, your team employed Chris Paul for two years, and that is a thing that happened. So let's just just call us a, a spade a spade. And like a hey, lot we of both got dudes, ours. We both got ours. A lot of these short dudes have to be effective in the league in some way, and ours is very good at it. And, and you know the ones that are good at it uh, succeed at it. So let's give me the vibes. What what is the tone in Phoenix? The fact that like we're in game 23. And I guess for you, 24, and it's the first yeah. time you saw the big three play together. Um, what What's the mood among Sung's fans at the moment? I mean, everybody's on edge, but hopeful. Like, we got to see a lot of dudes that probably weren't going to play a lot, play a lot. And now we kind of, we were just talking about it on Lockdown Suns. Like, we kind of know what the rotation is going to be for the most part. We know where the big looming problems are. Like, we need a backup center really bad. Like, Eubanks just isn't it. But it's just a lot of hopefulness. Like, we got a lot of open shots. KD got more open shots than I think he's ever gotten yesterday. So I think like the scoring is going to happen. It's just the defense and health. Like we really think we're going to be fine and it's going to be hard to beat us four games in the series, but it's mostly just everything being cohesive and guys playing together, like book and bill. They were kind of just one gets it and then they kind of ISO and the other one sits there in the corner and then another person would get it. They were doing like this either or thing. And once they get used to each other, it's their second game playing together. So once they get used to each other and being on ball, it'll be a lot smoother, I think. To follow up on that, you said once they get used to each other. And like the, I had Sam Cooper of uh, the Blue Wire Suns podcast, the Tyler oh, yeah. podcast. Yeah. Sam, Sam's a friend. And he, he was saying like, like I, I, I know the net comp is going to come up that Kevin Durant's last big three. When we saw it, it was outstanding. We just never yeah. saw it. So, <laughs> yeah. like the follow up to when they get used to each other, is there any worry that they're just never going to play enough together to actually see them get used to each other, or do you now see them that they're back and now we we are confident enough they'll play enough that come playoff time, this will be a thing we're ready to see full time. Yeah, I think the rest stuff is going to start with KD. Like, he had to play a lot of minutes to start the season. So I can see, like, before All-Star break, we start getting, like, seeing a, a couple KD DMPs and stuff. But I think if we can bar any serious injuries, like, most of the rest stuff is just going to come when we, like, have a solidified spot in the playoffs and our record's a lot better and all that. I think the Beal back thing, they were really secretive about that. And he even said it wasn't really just a strain. It was something else, but he never really went in depth into it. So when you're playing with backs, like 
you're just going to be scared about that in the entire season. But I think a lot of like once they get used to each other and if they get used to each other, a lot of the minute stuff is just going to be guys sitting because they can. Like, I think Katie is going to start sitting once we start winning a couple games. Katie's going to start sitting a bit. So the the other guys that you mentioned, you said a, you're a Grayson Allen stand account. Um, <laughs> we have. I mean, he he seems to kill the Knicks when he plays them. There's a game winner he hit with Milwaukee last season. I just personally, the punchable face, it. the punchable face <laughs> rankings that exist. He, unfortunately, is first team all punchable face. Having said that, I recognize the Knicks may have some punchable faces of their own as well. And you know, you, you, it's for all about perspective. But there are role players on the Suns that are going to have to fill out the rest of these rotation yeah. when you have the the big three. So. From your perspective, and maybe if you want to speak on behalf of Suns fans, who are the two that you're like, it's the big three, and then these two, those are the, that's the lineup that's going to have to carry us when it comes to playoff time? Um, we were just talking about that. I think it's going to be the big three, and like they were just called, uh, they called it yesterday in an interview, or the big four. Nurk had 17 and 22 rebounds yesterday. Okay. So I think that Nurk is going to be a huge part of it. I'm not sure if he's going to be playable in the playoffs, which is going to be a lot of small ball stuff. So like, I think Nurk is going to be a huge deal of just getting us to the end of the season and being comfortable and making like the smart passes. He's a really good passer and he's been helping a lot with that. And yeah. And I think Grayson, I think the other stuff, like the wings, we're still figuring that out. If I think the huge thing is if Nasir little really like kind of takes off and makes the leap because Vogel really likes him. And he makes the on-ball defensive leap and just hitting open shots. Like I think he hit shot like 38% from three last year. Like If he can hit open shots and be the athlete that we kind of need him to be on defense and in transition, Nasir Little can be pretty big. So Nasir Little and Jordan Goodwin and uh, Eric Gordon, the last time the Knicks <laughs> played the Suns. Eric, Jordan Goodwin. Yeah. What'd I say? No, no, I meant it. Like Jordan Goodwin came out of nowhere. I saw a yeah. bunch of Knicks fans tweet. Is like, that still is a this? thing? Is my question. Or did he like usually happens with the Knicks? Some rando just decided to have their best career game and you know didn't he like left the rotation a week later. Oh no, like Jordan Goodwin is getting he almost made the game winning still. Like it was like five seconds left. That's right, the end of the game. That's like yeah. yeah. They were Jordan down they were down chances. two trying to steal yeah. the ball. He got it. But then when yeah. he went to throw it, it ended up in Spencer Dinwiddie's hands. That's right. Yeah. So I think like Jordan Goodwin, his minutes are going to get dwindled down now because we have Beal back and Grayson Allen and Eric Gordon are going to be our guards. But defensively, if anything, <laughs> a is going to lose minutes because Jordan Goodwin's so good on defense and with the ball in his hand. So I can see Jordan Goodwin kind of taking somebody's spot. He's going to play because Vogel like. So I, I bring up Goodwin because this is maybe a thing with every team that the fan bases, every single fan base has a player that they're upset that the coach doesn't play more with the Knicks. It's Emmanuel quickly. I was digging through jazz Twitter after the game last night. Cause I thought Will Hardy like out coached Tom Thibodeau to an extent. I granted a lot went wrong for the Knicks that I don't think they <laughs> lost the coaching margin significantly, but it was like a, a, a substitution pattern here or there. And then I'm going through jazz Twitter and they're like, why doesn't Will Hardy play Chris Dunn enough? Why isn't Chris Dunn getting more minutes? Why is he 10th on this team in minutes when he's this, 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 and this? And I'm just like, so this is every team has, yeah. has this. So who's the guy on the Suns? We kind of don't have any of those right now. And we just like, I literally just talked about this on Locked on Suns. Vogel, it's really a meritocracy. Like, you know how fans, when you're tweeting, you're like, God, like, why does this dude get so many minutes? Such and such should be playing. But if such and such plays and he plays well, the next game, that dude will have the minutes. Like Vogel mm. does it that way. So anytime the way the fans see it, if a dude's playing bad and another guy's playing better, the next guy, like the next game, the guy does have the minutes and the other guy's sitting. Like it's worked like that the entire time. Uh Bates Diop, like he was playing all right. And then Nasir Little kind of went off. So Nasir Little started getting the minutes and Bates Diop hasn't gotten the minutes back. The only place that that hasn't really like worked is backup center because we don't have one so Eubanks has to play <laughs> but he's been really bad so there's like nobody else that can't play over because Bull Bull shouldn't be in the NBA either so it's just one of those situations where he's kind of stuck right now so then let me project a bit now that the the starters the big three is back and while you understand that the championship pedigree is around them who do you foresee being the odd man out that fans could potentially be like no they have to play 
I can see it being Jordan Goodwin still. Jordan like, Goodwin. I knew it. I yeah. knew that's where we were going. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think it's been Jordan Goodwin. Like, we did have players like that before. When Monty was here, I was a huge Aaron Holiday guy. Like, mm. I wanted him to play so much. I wanted Shamit to leave the NBA in general. And he was just playing so many more minutes. And I wanted Aaron Gordon to play. So, yes, we did used to have that. But Vogel's such a new guy that he kind of works a little different. Dude, dude. Suns fans to this point, like that does he, does Vogel have a, a an approval rating? Well, significantly higher than Monty Williams is is that something that that's been a, a welcome change? Um, that's still TBD. Like it's TBD. once the playoff stuff because Monty he can get you to the playoffs and he can give you a strong regular season and all that. But I think the reason they didn't choose him to lead this team is because the playoff stuff. Like he probably would have figured it out and we would have had like a 155 games, 60 games, and he would have been good. But I think it's the the leap part. And I don't think Monty really had it in him to juggle that many personalities at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, I, look, I, you see what's going on with Monty now. I guess that's <laughs> yeah. just a follow up, like your perspective <laughs> and on what's going on in Detroit at the moment with your old head coach. Yeah, we had a we had a joke that we wouldn't even know who Jordan Goodwin was if Monty was here. <laughs> so I think so. Like I think that's how we feel about it. like it was kind of unanimous that right after the buzzer was over on the Denver Nuggets game, I was like, he's not making it these next couple of days, and they did it a lot faster than I thought they would. But we kind of were all pretty unanimous on Monty Van Gogh at that point. Really, really, yeah. that that's funny because from man outside looking in, there's. I mean, how much Knicks fans criticize Tom Thibodeau, some of it being justified. Like, I, I never know if like you look elsewhere and like I've heard before, if only we had a coach like Monty Williams, if only we had a coach like Frank Vogel, both who got fired from the most recent (laughs) places of employment. And I don't know, like the the conversation about coaching and how much it matters, just, it always fascinates me because at the end of the day, like, Craig Vogel can win certain margins, but the Suns are going to win a title if Kevin Durant, Devin Booker, and Bradley Beal are special, no? Yeah, but I, yeah, it was just extra stuff. Even though the guys that Monty had the problems with, like everybody's gone. Like the entire team from last yeah, year. Yeah, Aiden gone. was the big one. Yeah. 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 Aiden and the Chris Paul thing, like all of that, like the Suns friends were even out on Chris Paul toward the end of it. Like I mm. think so. A lot of like that stuff that, was attached to Monty. He was kind of stuck in his ways and he hates young players. So, and I think the Suns were going to have to build the team with vets and young guys. And they were like, we're not going to put Monty through that. He won't handle that well, like all of that. So yeah, like at the end of the day, the players are going to have to play, but I think a dude that doesn't have the whole team hate him (laughs) is actually another big deal too. I think that's that's a positive, a step yeah. in the right direction that for culture that the entire team doesn't hate the guy in charge of running the entire team. Um, so the Friday night is is Sean Marion night in in Phoenix, yeah. and they're gonna retire his number. Um, I want to ask you a couple of evergreen questions before we talk about this matchup, and right. the uh, so the two big ones that I've I've gone to. Um, the first one is a bit of a of a like a, an all-time jerseys number uh who you go to now not like retired numbers but like if you could i don't know if you already have these jerseys in your closet but like who are the four sons that all time you're like if i were to only have four jerseys to represent my fanhood as a sons fan uh who would it be and is matrix on that list uh yeah i would say it's uh matrix chuck um personally Quentin Richardson because that was a wow. good deal when I was in high school. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm okay. sorry, Nick Legend. I'm not even doing this because I'm on the next Legend, five. No, once yeah. a Nick, always a <laughs> I'm not even doing this because I'm on the next five. It's you just could. because the knock on the head thing was big when I was in high school and he was the one doing it. So we did it because of them. I got my first technical in a high school game because of that. So <laughs> <laughs> so like it's Quentin Richardson and Steve Nash. I'm in Nash. Okay. No, so how do you feel about Amari? Speaking of this being a Knicks pod. I love Amari. We were talking like, I think he could still get minutes over Eubanks right now if he really wanted to. <laughs> so if you wanted to get a backup center, there, there you go. Yeah. Go get Amari Stoudemire. To I mean, play. Amari hated playing center after a while. but Oh, we know. Yeah. Believe me, we know. I had to go get Tyson Chandler <laughs> oh, yeah. because Amari this hated is, playing center. I forgot about that. Okay. Yeah. yeah you Nick's best lineup was Amari at the five and Melo at the, the, the four. And they he were like, no, go get AD. Tyson Chandler. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, the rest is history, you know. 
Um, yeah, so I think like I love Amari. Like he was really big in the city, and we saw him a lot all the time. Like I hated leaving Joe jo- <laughs> Joe Johnson off that list, honestly. Mm. But yeah, I just think that those four, like they kind of all different eras of the reason why I wanted them. So Matrix, Chuck, Steve Nash, and Q Rich. Yeah. I, when does Booker qualify for for your jersey list? Um. He kind of does now, but like still nostalgically, I want to keep Q in there, even though I could technically drop him if I wanted to. But okay. if I was like being real about myself, it would probably be book over Q. Book over Q. See, it's funny. There's uh, the Knicks don't have the the playoff success that the Suns do. And I know you might not even think the Suns have a ton of playoff success, but yeah. <laughs> we have like this stretch in the 90s. And that's really it. That As far as the Knicks and their <laughs> playoff success is concerned. Um and there's like there's there's an like I have a Carmelo Anthony jersey behind me as you can see. Yeah. But I got a um, Sean Marion bobblehead right behind me. Oh, there so there somewhere. you go. So like yeah. there, there there is an affection for the guys who grew up watching. Yeah. But like I have a a version of the the Q Richardson. Like uh, Jamal Crawford was my guy growing up. Now part of oh, that yeah. part of that is because when I started being able to drive and travel without parental supervision some of the first places i'd go to was madison square garden and who yeah. was the only knicks that would stop to do autographs it was uh, uh jamal crawford after every game here's my ticket stub can you sign it um i have no clue where those ticket stubs are by the way right now but like that memory is in my yeah. brain that when i think honestly I, when i thought of number 11 for a longest time it was jamal crawford then you know jalen brunson got number 11 and that yeah. changed everything um but uh, it's, it's fascinating Hey there, Knicks fans. Quick break to tell you about HelloFresh. With HelloFresh, you'll get farm-fresh, pre-portioned ingredients and seasonal recipes delivered right to your doorstep. Skip trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. That's why it's America's number one meal kit. You know I like my stats, so I got some stats here for you. Good food is too precious to waste. HelloFresh's pre-proportioned ingredients cut down on your food waste by at least 23% compared to grocery shopping, which is good for your wallet and the planet. And if you're looking for more ways to save this spring, HelloFresh is cheaper than grocery shopping and 25% cheaper than takeout. 25%, that's a lot. I love HelloFresh. I love not only the taste of the meals, but I love the fact that I could have two kids literally hanging off me as I am cooking and I'm still able to follow the recipes and make meals that are exactly as advertised. If you want to experience HelloFresh too, don't hesitate. Go to HelloFresh.com slash filmschoolfree and use code Film school free for free breakfast for life. You did not mishear me. One breakfast item per box while subscription is active. Again, go to HelloFresh.com slash film school free and use code film school free for free breakfast for life. HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit. What's up, Knicks fans? Quick break to tell you about our new sponsor, Prize Picks. Not only are they the largest daily fantasy sports platform in North America, but they're also the easiest and most exciting way to play. Instead of battling thousands of other players, including pros and sharks, it's just you against the numbers, picking more than or less than on a two to six player stat projection. With basketball season fully underway, you can now pick combo projections across football and basketball from the Specials League. This is a league created specifically for combo projections that include two or more players from different sports or leagues. For example, take Jalen Brunson over in points or Julius Randle over in rebounds and combine it with two NFL picks like Lamar Jackson over in rushing yards or Zach Wilson over in interceptions. Prize Picks is a really simple way to play. Prize Picks offers weekly promotions that can lead to big payouts. Like on Taco Tuesday each Tuesday, Prize Picks discounts select player projections up to 25% to provide even more value. Prize Picks now offers Apple Pay for quick and easy deposits into your account all basketball season. You know what to do. Go to prizepicks.com slash KFS and use code KFS for a first deposit match up to $100. Again, that's prizepicks.com slash KFS and use code KFS for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks. It's daily fantasy sports made easy. So the other big one that I go to is the Mount Rushmore of Rivals. Because like when the calendar comes out every every year, you know, you, you look through the NBA schedule and for Knicks fans, we have certain dates that we circle on the calendar. And I'm curious for you, a Suns fan, what your perspective is, like who are the dates that you circle? Who are the four 
main rivals that you go to. It's like, I cannot wait for this night on the calendar. Um, it's not even that big of one anymore because mostly it's not even rivals. We were just excited. Like so many of our old players are gone. It was mostly mm. excitement to see our old players again <laughs> because they didn't leave on bad terms. I mean, right. the Aiton thing's a little bit weird, but I think for the most part, like it wasn't really circling people, but for if I can put two teams twice to make a rush more, it would probably just be the Lakers two times and Dallas. <laughs> <laughs> the, the Lakers in Dallas. There's no Warriors yeah. on there. Like Draymond no, literally really. just punched one of your players in the face and may never play again. Yeah, but like it was never it was never any like hard feelings. Like even when Clay and Book did that thing with each other, like Clay like apologized. He was like, Book was killing me and I got mad about it, but I love mm-hmm. Book. <laughs> like it's not really like hate with their fans, like because it's not really hate with their players. I think the Laker thing is always just going to be the Laker thing. And the Dallas thing is always going to be the Luka thing. <laughs> and that's going to be forever. Yeah, no, that makes sense. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm shocked that it's only two, two teams. There's no, there's it no bucks. Be, it would be San Antonio if like, uh, okay. but that was years ago. And Tim Duncan and Bruce Bowen's gone. Like that was <laughs> Bruce Bowen was the huge thing. And mm-hmm. once Bruce Bowen was gone and Robert Ory, obviously, because he stole a championship from us, I think that was mostly like the deal <laughs> with them. But now that they were bad and they were just, they're just that now, like it's not really a rapper anymore. Aaron, I got to tell you how kindred spirit we are at the moment. So you just <laughs> said Robert Ory stole a title from you, right? But what you really mean is David Stern stole a title from you because he suspended yes. Amari for game five. So <laughs> quick backstory. When I was in college, I, one of my roommates, my sophomore year was from Phoenix and a huge Suns fan. And one of the things we bonded over was he was like still holding a grudge. This is 2011 we're talking about. So four years after the suspension, still held a grudge because <laughs> of the Robert Ory uh, hip check of Steve Nash that led to the suspension, right? And like we, we bonded because he was an Amari fan and he was on now on my basketball team yeah. at the time. But I was like, I still hold a grudge because in 1997... <laughs> Patrick Ewing took one foot off the bench and he got suspended for game six against the Heat during the year that I thought they had their best chance to beat the Bulls. Now, I may I may just be like seeing things that I thought the Knicks could beat the Bulls <laughs> that year, that, that they had the good chance to beat Michael Jordan, but the Bulls had one home play home loss during that regular season. It was two the Knicks. The Bulls had um two only one team that they finished 500 against that season. It was the Knicks. I thought that 57 win Knicks team. That was their best chance. And because of a, a flat out melee in game five, in which that Patrick was the, took one. Yeah. <laughs> that was PJ Brown flipping Charlie Ward is what that, yeah. that game was. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and it led to a, uh, the Knicks only having nine available players for game six. It was called the nine man one mission. Well, guess what? Mission <laughs> failed. They lost that game and then lost the series. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I share your frustration. Not in this. I agree with you in the sense that like Robert Orr doesn't do that. The Suns may win the title. The Knicks yeah. win that series. They may just lose to Michael Jordan and it's a footnote. Yeah. But um, yeah, it was I feel your pain is what I'm saying. Yeah. That that series was the championship pretty much. And everybody knew that was the finals because mm-hmm. I think, yeah, I think the Suns were going to win the championship that year. And well, you go real quick. You go through that playoffs and what happened when Dirk and the Mavs go out in the first round. And then like the West, the East is like, it's, it's the Pistons or LeBron. Like yeah. that's really all the East was that year. You know? <laughs> yeah. And it was just the running gun sons. And that team was just so fun. It was like the perfect time that it all finally came together. Like everything finally looked right. And then Tony, like he had them working on all cylinders and yeah, like we knew that was our shot. And once it didn't happen, everybody was just over stern and hated Robert Ory forever. <laughs> So can I ask you how that that running gun seven seconds or less Suns team is remembered? Because like obviously no final strip, no title, but yeah. a lot of the way basketball looks today is with with a pace and with spacing involved. And like uh, there's a D'Antoni legacy in New York as well, yeah. which I, it's a complicated one because <laughs> he came here for the rebuild and then the Knicks didn't get LeBron and, and Dwayne Wade. And then they got Carmelo, who was the worst player to play for that head coach like here pass the ball and Melo's <laughs> like no I have an open shot every time I have it um, yeah. but like how do Suns fans look back on that that Steve Nash, Amari, D'Antoni era even though it didn't end in a championship 
we look back at it just it was so fun <laughs> okay and it was like right when i was playing like high school basketball so it was like right in that area in the suns that suns team shot a commercial in our old gym and they were cool like they signed autographs and stuff outside the gym because they shot the commercial there like those guys were always in the city like always like Joe Johnson paid for our food at a McDonald's by our school. Hey. Like it was, oh, they were wow. just always outside. <laughs> and I think it was like, they were so just like, just in the city and with the people that everybody just loved them so much. So I think they're like looked on pretty well. Okay. So it sounds even more personal for you though. Like yeah, I, never, I, mean, game- I, I never met a Nick from the 90s teams, <laughs> but that's how I look back <laughs> on that team. You know? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and they were winning and they played in like one of the most fun styles too. I saw my first playoff game. It was, um, against Dallas. I think it was like, Oh six. And they were still like, it was the end of it. Sort of like the running gunners, but like, it was one of the most fun games I ever seen. We beat Dallas by like, 25 and Sean Marion went off and Steve Nash, like it was one of the most fun games I had been to. And so like, yeah, I think we just looked pretty fondly on them because they were fun and they were just cool dudes who were in the city. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, I, I, listen, the Knicks, the Knicks son's history, the connections that I usually go to before uh, every pod is like the, the, the D'Antoni Amari thing. When, when that came to New York and the, the, the there's a stretch before the mellow trade, after the decision happens and the Knicks don't get the, the summer they wanted, but they had Amari and they had like all young players, Raymond Felton, Gallinari, Wilson yeah. <laughs> Chandler, uh, Timofey Mozgov. Like it was just a bunch of young kids. There was no expectations. There is a portion of this fan base that was like, that was the most fun ever. And then they traded for Mello and they ruined it. And it's like, yeah, they won 54 games, two games. Like, yeah. <laughs> I don't know that they ruined it, but um, I can respect like the play style, even if, it didn't accomplish the the end goal. It it was just enjoyable to watch, and that that ends up being like more fun than actually. Although Tibbs would argue winning is more fun than fun is fun, but that maybe yeah. Tibbs would think you know. Which now let me get your perspective on the Knicks and what you think of this basketball team. I like to like hand the pot over to my guest and or my co-host for the day and see what they think of the basketball team that they're about to play. So, any questions or thoughts about the Knicks through through twenty three games from afar? Um, mostly like, how do you guys feel about like the layout? Do you, my big question is, what do you want to happen with Julius Randall? Like, that was like the Randall question. (laughs) Yeah. And well, I worked for, I used to work for uh, NBA All Caps and I wrote for Jason Conception. And oh man. And I'm in a group chat with him and a couple comedians. So, like, this is actually kind of the most positive he's been about the Knicks in a long time. I was at a restaurant. We were watching on our phone in LA when Cam Johnson hit that half court. Well, the buzzer beater. Buzzer beater. (laughs) Yeah. And so like, he was like devastated at dinner (laughs) and like, I was just running around a restaurant. So like, yes, I know a Knicks fan and he's, I swear this is the most positive he's kind of been about them, but the Randall thing does still come up in, in the tech. So, first of all, friend of the pod, Jason Concepcion. Shout out to to Jason. Always welcome back anytime. However, the Randall conversation is is so weird to have because, like, he's entering some leaderboards in Nick's history that <laughs> are insane. Like, he just passed Clyde yesterday for thirty point oh, games wow. in Nick's history, and like, he's got he's one hundred and sixty one threes away from being the all time leader in three pointers with the Knicks like, attempts because he can reach that by February. Well, okay. But like <laughs> the thing is you want him to take a ton of threes, you know, yeah. because of, you may not hit a, a, an effective clip, but if he's hitting 34% on nine threes per 36, then like that's something out of your, out of your four that yeah. actually leads to effective spacing. Um, I, it's the weirdest relationship to a guy that's climbing up a team's leaderboards <laughs> that I've ever seen. Cause he got off to this, this historically bad start. And yeah. since that, that first six games, he's been better than last year. So think about that. <laughs> I'm saying he's been better than all NBA Randall last year. His yeah. passing has been outstanding this season. And there's still this lack of trust, this lack of, belief in he's going to Matt, he's going to be good when it counts. His bad games are, are lead to much more vocal criticism than anybody else's bad games besides RJ. And I just, I genuinely don't know what the team does with him because I don't know of another team that wants to trade for him the way the Knicks value him. Um, this isn't a 
good stats, bad team guy. The Knicks win a ton of games with him. Yeah. But I like I can understand like if a, an entire group chat is making jokes at Julius Randle's expense. I can also understand a young Knicks fan being like, Julius has been their best player and the biggest turnaround yeah. in the franchise. Is like, <laughs> like, do you remember what we had before Julius Randle came yeah. here and took a gigantic leap? Like, what is this? So <laughs> it's complicated. But right now he's 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 like significantly balling at the moment. So I, yeah. I I credit him for that. What's wild is this time last year when KD. We we knew the KD thing was over. We knew mm-hmm. it was no possible ability. Like he went back to Brooklyn. It wasn't happening. He was staying. But we knew we needed to make a move. Like we knew right. we did. Julius Randle trade and, rumors. That's yes. right. And I was just like, <laughs> I was all in on Julius Randle. So like I'm not one of those people that hate on him. Like I see the hate, but this time last year, I wanted him in the Suns jersey pretty bad. So I, I talked to Sam about that. So it's funny. Two years ago, but let me just give you, you know this because of Jason probably, but like Julius Randle's first year is the COVID shortened season. Not the, not yeah. the open gym one, the empty gyms one, yeah. the COVID shortened season. And he was like 20 and 10, but it was an inefficient 20 and 10. That whole year was just kind of ass. Like they, the, the Fisdale era ending, he was four and 18 that year and giggling his last loss. And it was like, all right, you just lost by 40. We're going to fire you. And then they were like, uh, would now be considered a play-in team after that. But they were like yeah. the 10th best team in the conference after that. And then COVID ends the season. Um, the next year, the first Tibbs year, a revelation. Shoots 40% from three. Wins most improved player. Makes all NBA. Deservedly <laughs> so. And then is awful against the Suns. And then the following season, he has this... this it's tough to even really dissect. It, it was a 20 and 10. It was 20, 10 and 5. But everybody hated each other. Like no one liked watching him play. He wasn't getting making teammate teammates better. He was just like moody and had the thumbs down game. And it yeah. was like he's a ticking time bomb that we don't know if he's going to try during games or not. We don't know if this is a Julius Randle game where he's going to try. And so that whole off season, we spent trying to find other content creators. Like, what do you want for Julius? Like, what? How would you like Julius Randle on your team? Let's go to a Hornets fan. How would you like Julius Randle on your team? We had Sam on. How would you like him on the Suns? So, like, there, there is a clear. Like, we understand the market and like the secret yeah. out. He's a very inconsistent player, but I, it's just like here. I'm, I'm going to read off his stats since that, those first six games. So he started off the year with one of the most toredly bad starts to to. Like in, in basketball history to start an NBA yeah. season, right? It's 17 games since he's averaging 26 a game, 10 rebounds, six assists um, on 51, 36, 75 shooting, 51% from the field on 18 shots a game, as well as like with six assists. Like that's, that's all good. that's, those are all NBA stats right yeah. there. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's why it's so weird to be like, I have no idea what to make of this player. And yet I'm looking at his numbers like a, he's actually like a really good basketball player is what I can make of him. So that's what, that's the Julius Randle perspective I have at least. Okay. And I think my next one was because I don't get to talk to that many Knicks fans. Would, yeah, you, have go ahead. The, would you have made the RJ Barrett trade? Which one? Um, <laughs> There's so many of them. <laughs> it was the one. For, you talk about um, the Mitchell one? Yes. The Donovan Mitchell one. Um, I mean, he still might end up there. It's like, that's the thing is I don't think yeah. he's long for Cleveland either. Yeah. Um, the RJ Barrett conversation is more complicated than the Julius Randall one. I think it's more yes. exhausting than the Julius Randall one. <laughs> I just think like there would just be games. I can't like, I would turn on and he just didn't look comfortable and he was inefficient in <laughs> It was just the entire like gamut of young dude taking bad mid rangers, but now he really does look like he figured it out now. So I think everybody waiting it out is a lot better because he looked at least the Suns game. He's just looked a lot more comfortable. So that that Suns game maybe, <laughs> uh, his efficiency's fallen off a cliff a bit, oh. and he's <laughs> that like we're coming off. He threw three for sixteen last night, and it's oh, like okay. a, we're in a stretch now. And you want to talk about the inverse of Julius Randle's <laughs> season? RJ got off to like an all NBA start yeah. for this season, then missed a couple games with migraines and uh, the shooting has just, has just taken a nosedive and I'm trying to be patient and throw a bone to the RJ hive that is extremely vocal. And is like, he's going to figure it out. He's a star and like star J Barrett or whatever it's called. <laughs> and I, I just, we're on year five of this player 
And I think he's miscast. The guy gets to the rim at an elite level and the Knicks always have someone in the dunker spot. So I wonder if his next team will play five out and try to maximize RJ in lineups where he can get downhill and it's just him and one other defender. The problem I have with that logic is if they bring a second guy, RJ still going to try and take a shot. He does not have the court vision that we were seeing or has not court, just displayed the court vision that we're seeing that if you yeah. draw a defender, there's someone open. So <laughs> that's, I think my, my frustration with RJ and like he's miscast on the current Knicks where he needs to, he needs to shoot like 38, 39% from three because yeah. he's getting looks and he's, like the again, the inverse of Julius Randle. He started off like fifty percent from three, and it's been like twenty five percent since then. Jeez. So okay, yeah, yeah, it's 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 a bit of it's inconsistent, which is what RJ Barrett's been through five years. Inconsistent. Yeah, so, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That was pretty much all I had. I mean, Dibs did steal a coach of the year from Monty that one year. You but still believe that? Do. Yeah, still believe I really that. do. I mean, we had the okay. best record in the league, man. Because you traded for Chris Paul. <laughs> That still doesn't change anything. That leap was still the huge. Knicks. The Knicks. The leap. Fine, but <laughs> they they were a team that went undefeated in the bubble. Whatever you want to make of it, and then they were like a nine seed, right? And they traded yeah. for Chris Paul, who finished top five in MVP, and they were the one seed, right? The yes. Knicks made one change to their roster. They they were projected to by Vegas to win twenty one games, and they made one change. It was the head coach. And they went were a four seed that year. Like they won 122% more than their Vegas production. <laughs> yes. I think. The money leap, the Suns leap was great, but you traded for a Hall of Famer. The Knicks added one thing, a head coach, and won 122% more games than expected. <laughs> yeah, I think going from a verge bubble team to two games away from an NBA championship. It's still like kind of close to that. I think but that's it's a, a regular league. season award though, right? Yeah. But yeah, but we was still the number one seed, the franchise best record we've ever had. Like he still gave us, I think we ripped off 16 wins in a row at one point. Like, mm-hmm. That's how big the leap was. So yes, Chris Paul was good, but I just think that, the leap that that team took in general wasn't all just Chris Paul. I'm not saying it's not all Chris Paul. I'm saying like the, the gap I thought that happened or the leap that was caused was a talent upgrade. Like if the Knicks right now, they're probably like a 45, 46 win team, right? If they trade for Donovan Mitchell and win 65 games next year, I'm not going to say Tom Thibodeau is a coach of the year. I'm going to (laughs) say Donovan Mitchell probably deserves MVP votes. Because yeah. the talent upgrade happened. I can't stress this enough. Alfred Payton started every game for the Knicks that season. Oh, you don't have and they to were the get four me seed. Like, you don't have to get like, me started. Well, Alfred Payton, Payton, there's a son. That's right. I forgot about that. If you look up my name in the name Alfred Payton, Alfred some Payton. mean stuff comes up. <laughs> Listen, before we criticized Julius Randle and RJ Barrett and, and Tom Thibodeau, we criticized Alfred Payton. That season that everybody... <laughs> That the Knicks actually experienced some winning. It was like, why is Alfred Payton starting? He is so awful. Why is this happening? And you know, <laughs> the, the the rest is history. Um, so going into this matchup, how confident are you? Um, I think the big three will be more comfortable. I still want to know I, if Eric Gordon or Grayson are back. Like, we just didn't have shooting on the floor. Like, even though we did score a lot, we gave up a lot of buckets. But I just want to see like our bench guys that are actually going to play, like our sixth man and our seventh guy. Like, I'll be a lot more confident with that especially just in general with how smooth the offense runs. But I still don't like our backup center and our bench that much without those guys on there. So I'm kind of, I'm comfortable because it's KD, Book, and Bill, but I still just need to see these guys together a lot more. I will say, I don't know if you have to worry about a backup center in, in this one. The Knicks just lost Mitchell Robinson. So, oh yeah, <laughs> like the Knicks yeah. are playing their third center and the starting lineup at the moment. So I don't know if and we wanted him. We wanted him pretty oh, bad Hartenstein? at one point. Yeah, Hartenstein? No, yeah. Um, Mitchell Robinson. Oh, like, Mitchell Sunshine. Robinson. Yeah, okay. Sunshine's wanted Mitchell Robinson pretty bad. So, um, yeah, I think that I'm pretty confident in this game, honestly, but I still need to see those guys a lot more. It's mostly just health and minutes and shooting. Yeah, which, I mean, the, the Knicks are coming off a, a game where it was very clear the health factor of Mitchell Robinson being gone mattered. Um, minutes... Uh, 
How about more than 18 for Manuel quickly? How's that? Let's let's start at 20 and just work our way up. How, how's that? <laughs> and then shooting, they missed 10 free throws and went nine of 39 from three. So um, that's they're due for a bounce back game. We'll see if that could be a, a recipe for a win on against the what I consider a championship contender. Um, in the West. Uh, so we'll see. Uh, Aaron, this was fun. Thank you so much for joining me. Yeah, thanks even for having though, me, man. <laughs> even though I, I maintain that the rightful person won Coach of the Year in 2021, <laughs> but I think we'll just have to agree to disagree there. We'll see how many Suns fans are in your comments later. I, listen, I guarantee I'm going to be, there's going to be pushback from it. And I'm going to just respond like the graphic shows. Like, like, so the leap that the Knicks made, they were like, I was scouting Cade Cunningham during that season. <laughs> and then suddenly it's like, wait, we're in the playoffs. So what am I doing? We're like, we're on pace to be a host of playoff series. That's impossible. So, um, <laughs> you know, bring, bring it on. I'll, I'll take out all the smoke, but all the, all the okay. fans I want to show up. Uh, Aaron, before you get out of here, tell the fine folks where they can find you and all your stuff. Um, you can find me on Twitter, Instagram. Um, I'm usually in Phoenix. I've got a like, couple stand-up shows, mostly just going to be next year, but um, I have the uncle show that's going to be every month at Valley Bar. Um, it's going to be third week or yeah, third weekend of every month. <laughs> Come on out. It's really fun, really stupid. It's like Eric Andre meets Black Uncles. Come on. <laughs> that sounds something I'd be interested in. We actually have <laughs> yeah. some some KFS audience members, a couple of patrons actually that are okay. from the, the Tucson, the Phoenix, the, the Arizona yeah. So, um, listen, I've, I'm an ignorant New Yorker. Anything outside of the Hudson River is just like the West. <laughs> so, but um, I do you ever travel to New York to perform? Or no, uh, I was going to. Here? Like, I had a show planned literally two weeks before the pandemic. Like, mm. I was supposed to fly out like that Friday, and the world shut down. And I never got to go. Yikes. <laughs> Yikes. Well, if you ever make it back, I can't. I would love to catch one of your shows. And of course, you're welcome back to Nick's Film School anytime. Thank you for joining me for this show, Aaron. Uh, thanks for having me. I'd definitely do this again. Once again, a big thank you to Aaron for coming on today's show and helping me preview this matchup against the Suns. I will one more time say that Nick's won 122% more games than they are projected to win by all of the odds makers going into that season. And I, I understand if getting to the finals with Chris Paul means you think that they, they should have given it to Monty. And I just respectfully disagree that you had Chris Paul and the only roster change the Knicks made was adding Derrick Rose. And when you add Derrick Rose because Tom Thibodeau wants you to, that's even more of a reason why you should win coach of the year. But uh, as far as Suns fans are concerned, they're glad Monty Williams is gone. And as far as a vocal minority of Knicks fans are concerned, uh, they want Tom Thibodeau gone. So hopefully we don't even get to that point. Uh, and the Knicks are able to win a, a big game on Friday night against the Suns. But again, thank you to Aaron. Give him the KFS bump. Follow him. If you're in the Arizona area, go to one of his shows. We want to support the people that make time for us as best as we can. As far as I'm concerned, um, I'll be back on Saturday morning with yet another pregame pod. It'll be out a little bit later because we're going to be up late on Friday night into Saturday. John and I will be on the post game uh, recapping this one early Saturday morning, most likely. Um, but uh, thank you everybody as always for your support for these shows and all the stuff that we do. If you dig this episode, give a five star rating and a review. I'll see you Saturday morning with another episode previewing the game against the Clippers. But until next time, thank you for listening. Enjoy the game tonight. Stay up late with us, and we'll speak with you soon. Peace. <laughs>